The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. If you've bought anything from any of the cannabis stores in Alberta, you know the amount of packaging being used on products. If you haven't, Well, believe those when they say that the packaging is off the charts. You might remember when cannabis was legalized nearly two years ago, the federal regulations required really stringent packaging rules. And as a result, there's been a huge amount of cast off cardboard and plastic. Well, now the Alberta Bottle Depot Association is pushing the province to have a deposit placed on cannabis packaging in a bid to keep more single use plastic out of landfills. Jerry Rakaki is the president of the Alberta Bottle Depot Association. Uh, This morning in an interview with Ryan Jesperson, he said that he'd like to see a program similar to the one in place for bottles. Uh, You know, I I think we we want to keep it simple for consumers. Currently, with beverage containers, uh, the deposits are $0.10 and $0.25. So I I would imagine that we would want to keep it consistent with what the consumers are already familiar with. So something like a $0.10 deposit, you know, would seem reasonable to me. The the association, by the way, represents about 200 depots throughout Alberta, which are independently owned and operated. Orkowski says uh, he predicts a deposit might bring depots another half million dollars in revenue several years after being established. He says a deposit refund system would create a legal requirement for manufacturers to package products in recyclable materials according to its proposal. Uh, that, that's right. You know, there, there is no deposit on them. Um, and, and those are, you know, right now they're, they're to be recycled through municipal curbside uh, programs. Now, the, the issue with curbside programs is that they are taxpayer funded. They're, you know, the municipalities and, and their ratepayers are the ones that, that pay for that system. And there, there is, uh, you know, a policy uh, discussions in place here in Alberta around extended producer responsibility. And it's, it's a policy framework that would have the manufacturers of the product uh, take responsibility uh, for that packaging all the way through its life cycle. And that, that is something that the current government is also considering. I, I know that there are, you know, there are a lot of proponents for that, that type of program uh, here in Alberta. George Smitherman is the president and CEO of the Cannabis Council of Canada. George, welcome to the show. Jalen, it's a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Well, you know what? I think, uh, you know, this 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 conversation about packaging when it comes to cannabis products is not new. Uh, we've known for a very long time, since those products started rolling off the shelf, that... Um, there was a lot of packaging on them, like an, an, an inordinate amount of packaging, it seemed. Um, but that's all due because of the Health Canada requirements, isn't it? Yeah, you know, ironically, uh, as consumers, I think we've been taught that overpackaging is a tactic by the company to provide more space for them to advertise. In this case, the packaging is big and in many cases much larger than it needs to be because the government has a lot of messaging on there about warnings and such. In fact, mm-hmm. company la- company labeling on the packaging is limited to 10% as, as part of an overall very prohibitive uh, model for branding and advertising. So ironically, it's that and also the child resistant standard on packaging, yeah. which sometimes drives the volume. And I'm a legacy cannabis consumer, so I have that 
that that that small package of baggies that was the historic norm <laughs> and and in comparison uh quite an uh, quite an array of uh quite an array of uh, products i could say one more thing please if you don't mind with respect to yes. consumer extended responsibility uh the cannabis industry has voluntarily initiated recycling uh programs and have collected millions and millions of mm-hmm. pieces of uh, product uh, uh so far as example of their uh, good efforts towards uh, stewardship and that's a that's that's available recycling in many 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 retail environments across the country well yeah and you know what one of my listeners mike just texted in and said you know the pot stores in fort mcmurray have recycling bins in the store for used containers i wonder though um george in that case are people getting money back for those used containers are they getting some some cash you know 10 cents or 20 cents um because i wonder if if they might if you might get more dropped off if that was in place because you know you're lugging around a a bag of uh, a bag of uh you know used containers for nothing well I think that in a certain sense we start with recycling when sadly in a certain way we should start first with reduce and then reuse and recycling only as the third resort of the three and I think a lot of things have been focused towards recycling so we've established that initiative on the part of the uh, the industry soon you'll soon you'll see another initiative on the industry's part on a voluntary basis to get at the recycling associated with vapes which because they have a battery has their own challenges and I was thinking this is a nascent sector like this cannabis sector not very you know it's new and all of that and they're doing these initiatives on a voluntary basis whereas i see very rich companies like apple and such not offering those kind of recycling (laughs) initiatives for me uh related to uh worn out phones and stuff so i think we're making good strides but i think that uh, everyone's right to say that we should also be focusing on reduce and options around reuse and there are a lot of different reuse alternatives which are emerging globally that are very interesting all right let's talk about let's talk about let's go back to reduce how is it and and, and what is the the cannabis council of canada looking at when it comes to reducing i mean if if those rules are in place from uh, from health canada that you have to have this label on it and this label on it and this label on it how do we go about reducing that packaging you know, we had expected that uh, this debate, in a certain sense, was going to be shaped very much by the national government's commitment to initiate a ban on single-use plastics. And we know that Health Canada, as the regulator of the cannabis sector, has been preparing for the implications for our sector. We're in conversations all the time with Health Canada, trying to find a balance which allows our companies to exercise a greater uh, sustainability goals, because many of them feel frustrated and hampered because the consumer is experiencing this burden of packaging which is not consistent with uh not consistent with our values i'm working from home and you may hear some disruption in the background as a result of that <laughs> that's okay if my dog's barking you'll know i'm, I'm at home too it's okay george <laughs> uh, just so you know what's what's interesting is so i i'm not a cannabis user but i had a, a colleague who um she knows that i deal with um some anxiety and some stress level and so when the shops first opened she went and bought me a single use um joint and um I opened it up just to see because I'd heard about this packaging. And so for my listeners who who are, 
are, are trying to wrap their head around the amount of packaging. I just want to explain what that looked like. So it was a cardboard box, probably about two inches by five inches, you know, tall. Um, it was wrapped in plastic. The cardboard box, you opened it up and it had like a, a holder inside. And then what was being held was a plastic almost test tube that you popped all open the top it just seemed like it was overkill george well it is overkill let's be real that's 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 a lot of packaging for for one joint um so you know just to give my listeners an idea of that's what it looked like um when i when i when i got that so if we're looking at so the reducing part of it is there a way you know to press the federal government or um to to to, to cut back on some of these things so we we don't have to use as much packaging well the thing is pointing out the single pre-roll is probably the worst packaging burden because no matter no matter how small the element the two fundamental responsibilities of the packaging remain yeah. by law yeah you must yeah. have all of these warnings and you must also make sure that the packaging is child resistant yeah. and that creates a certain that creates a certain uh, bar you know barrier to eliminating and shrinking it we can look for solutions in terms of what we use to package that pre-roll yes. in i've bought pre-rolls which are packaged in glass kind of test tubes which have a reusable you know a reusable purpose uh for me and we could see in the uh -huh. future that that might be the kind of thing that yeah. attracted the form of deposit or deposit return like was being mentioned by your guests at the top yeah. at the top of the piece yeah, I think it's going to be interesting to see what happens uh, as, as they move ahead with this. And it'll be interesting to see what the provincial government uh, out here uh, uh, does with this. I'm curious to know just, um, you know, from, from your vantage point as we move away from, you know, talking about the, the packaging, because that is, you know, it's still something else. But uh, as president and CEO of the Cannabis Council of Canada, George, first off, how long have you been in that position? I have been in this position since the onset of COVID, in a sense. I started on May 2nd, uh, March 2nd, rather. More for, my first active day was on March 9th, was a meeting in Ottawa with the Minister of Health, which three days later never would have happened, ironically. <laughs> then I went back uh, home and uh, been uh, locked down since. So okay. about, six months, about six months in this role, but involved in the cannabis industry in one way or another since 2014. Okay, so we're coming up on the on the second year anniversary of this, and you know, yes. I, I can remember two years ago, some people thought the sky was going to fall, and you know, all hell was was going to break loose, and that certainly has not been the case. I mean, if you were to look back, um, coming up to the anniversary, what in the middle of October of of, of two years, how do you describe it? Well, I think it's interesting because I've, I've been taking stock of that. You know, it's very difficult inside the cannabis industry because there's a tremendous amount of uh, pressure, limited financial resources. It's a startup sector. There's a lot of cost and a lot of pressure on profitability and such. We've made a lot of hard human decisions for cannabis companies. So I'm living that anxiety on the one hand. But as somebody who spent a lot of time in my life in government, I think that mm -hmm. it's a real accomplishment for Canada and for the Parliament of Canada and the provinces and territories have played quite a you know, huge role in this because the national government shared the responsibility and shared the, and shared the kitty. 
we can point to many challenges for our companies, no doubt about it, and we'll have to continue to do that. That's our responsibility. But I do look at it from a public policy standpoint as quite successful. And what I would hope is that we as Canadians could uh, get a little more mojo in terms of this notion of first mover advantage the whole world is alerting itself to cannabis. If not the THC side of that lovely mm. plant, then the CBD side yeah. or medicinal cannabis. Mm -hmm. And Canada has been a little bit reluctant to support our country reaching out. And now the world is looking to us in many ways. So we, we hope that we can actually build on some of this, uh, this, that the sky hasn't fallen, that youth uptake of cannabis to the very best of all the statistics we've seen has not been problematic, that from a criminal justice standpoint it's been uh, quite likely net positive and we want the government to be aware of this and, and the citizens to, to share in that sense of uh if, if if not pride then satisfaction okay uh, so, and let's look let's look for a little bit more of the economic upside because more you know we're looking for growth in the country obviously is a very tough time and the cannabis yeah. sector is actually one of those that offers growth potential going forward so, George, why do you think that that uh, that Canadians there? We you talked about this reluctance. Why do you why do you think that that's still there? I know some people would say that's kind of the Canadian way, but um, <laughs> but perhaps a, but per, but perhaps a little bit uh, less applied uh, to uh, to uh, Western Canada than Central mm -hmm. Canadians. But even at it, like now we have as an example uh, uh, Canada. Uh, and the United Nations. This is a place where international law is quite uh, frequently discussing matters related to cannabis, and Canada hasn't been hasn't really been doing very much to uh, put forward the Canadian experience and to let people know. Even though countries all around the world are emulating the regulatory model of Canada in many many ways, so I think that there are opportunities to build on that. The export of uh, CBD stands as a uh, stands as an example. Yeah. So you know we 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 like to export uh, hockey and some other uh, some other fine things. Although not in your not in Edmonton or sadly <laughs> uh, not enough in Edmonton in Edmonton and, or Toronto of late, except for other you know except as a host to other teams. But anyway, we live on in hope, right? So uh, George, uh, you know, go ahead. And I was just going to say, before I let you go, because we're almost out of time here, we talk about this, those challenges, but also successes as well. And it was interesting to read, um, I think this just came out last week, that Canadian household spending on legal cannabis in the second quarter of the year outpaced the illicit market for the first time. What does that say about uh, the licensed pot industry? Well, you know, the thing about it is that in Alberta, the government has provided access to consumers through a very rapid expansion of retail stores. In Ontario, where I come from, and I am an active consumer of cannabis, mm -hmm. uh, the retail, we, we still have like 150 stores for a population, you know, a, a bit bigger yeah. than Alberta. So yeah. uh, it's still opportunity for growth. And we want to continue to win consumers over from the legacy markets. We have to offer accessibility, good products, reasonable yep. pricing. And I think one of the things we're going to focus on a lot going forward is the government slice of the pie. Because the cannabis <laughs> companies have reduced their pricing extraordinarily over a couple of years. Uh, but the element of taxation and markup and all of this is going to remain as a barrier to getting all those folks over that have been traditional consumers in the legacy market. But we're winning them over 
month by month by month, we're winning them over. And we have a lot of growth yet to uh, demonstrate and growth on the upside for foreign markets also. George, it's been a pleasure speaking with you this afternoon. Let's do it again sometime soon. That would be my pleasure. Thank you so much. Take care now. Yeah, take care now. George uh, Smitherman, who was the president and CEO of the Cannabis Council of Canada, and yeah, he mentioned he was in uh, government for a long time, former Ontario cabinet minister.